This is Acast Recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favourite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big, short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Mirror Football Podcast. The Champions League midweek did not disappoint. Liverpool, Real Madrid, Roma and Bayern Munich are through to the semi-finals. We're going to be looking back on a dramatic week of football and also look ahead to the Premier League weekend as always. I'm Aaron Flanagan uh, to do so and joining me is Liam Prenderville. How are you doing Liam? Yeah, good mate. Good stuff. And Colin Mumry back on the podcast. How are you doing Colin? Oh, great mate, thanks for having me. Good stuff. Um, we'll start with Real Madrid. Uh, Briefly, um, just the most bonkers football match or end to a football match uh, you could imagine. Yeah, I mean, the start was incredible as well. Obviously, because of the end, people forget that Juve took the lead after about two minutes, uh, much like uh, City did the night before. But um, it was an incredible game, to be honest. Like the first half, it was just. I mean, Real Madrid weren't that bad, to be fair. I mean, Tony Cruz said after the game, you know, um, we did everything right, we just forgot to score. And that was pretty much the case in the first half. But um, you know, once Juve went got the second goal and the third goal, you thought it might happen again until uh, until as you said that bonkers ending. Yeah, so I don't think any of us actually expected that Juve would get that close given that they had three away goals to to pick up on. Um just quickly the penalty decision, uh, for me it's a penalty, Connor, agree? Uh, yeah, it's. I think you have to. I think you have to give it. I mean, you know, the consensus has been that you know if it's if it's your team, then you would you know if it wasn't given, then you'd be fuming. But if it is, then you're like you think it's soft. But I think it is a penalty. Yeah. Absolutely, Liam, do you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think he's going to score in the Vasquez. I don't know why he's not just headed it in, but Benasia's come right through the back of him, and I know he's got the leg round and he might have took the ball then, but he's come straight through the back and the shove. It's a penalty. It has to be a penalty. And if Real Madrid weren't given it, there'd be a huge outcry from Spain, worse than from Juventus. I think. Yeah, absolutely. And I never in doubt that Cristiano Ronaldo was going to end up taking the headlines in any game in any circumstance. Like, I mean, what a penalty! Yeah, well, it was incredible. They did their best to put him off because he, he must have been waiting a good five minutes for. Uh, Chesney took half sh- hour to come on. Didn't yeah, he? he did. Yeah, yeah I think yeah, that. Yeah. I don't think Chesney, well. Chesney did really well. Just yeah, kind of plodding and he on. Came on and stood in front of the spot for a couple of minutes as well. And but yeah, absolutely outrageous penalty. One of the best I've seen, especially in the circumstances. Yeah, and uh, sad end to Gigi Buffon's. Um, yeah, Champions but I mean, if you're going to go out, go out in flames. You know, it's a bit like Zidane, wasn't it? Yeah. And he said that, I think, uh, a few months ago, saying you know, like, how he'd like to go out and said he might try and trump Zidane. I know, obviously, he's got more games to play, but in European football, that's probably the last we're going to see of him. And it, it's a big shame, but I think he'll look back on it in a couple of days' time. He'll probably regret his behaviour and what he said to Michael Oliver. Yeah, absolutely. So he kind of went a bit mad in uh, the interviews afterwards as well. Called him a murderer, didn't he? Uh, he, he, he compared his decisions to the decisions that a murderer makes, yeah. Which is just, <laughs> um, I mean, qu- 
quite extreme uh, yeah, indeed. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. It said Michael Oliver's got the heart of a garbage garbage bin. Yeah. Um, which yeah. is uh, interesting. He may uh, well do. He may well do. We just don't know one enough, do we? <laughs> sure. No. No. Um, I, said, I mean, he said Michael Oliver's got no personality. I mean, I, 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 can, I can see that. Michael Oliver's yeah. very. Oh, he's a referee, isn't he? No yeah. offence. Not meant to personality, are they? Us, us referees are, you know, quite... Us oh, referees, yeah, here we yeah, go. Us refer- yeah. ref- referees union and all that. Apart from Jackson. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, we'll come back to Real Madrid-Juventus shortly, uh, just because uh, I spoke to Rick Sharma, uh, our man in Spain, a little earlier, to get all the fallout from Spain on both Real Madrid and Barcelona. Um, in England this week, though, uh, Manchester City were knocked out by Liverpool. Again, not particularly unexpected, given the first leg, um, but... Maybe did did we expect more from City given the fact they took the lead within within two minutes? Yeah, I mean, when people saw the lineup, they didn't really know what to expect. But I think Pep got it right. To be honest, I think you know they only scored one goal, but the first half was a bit of a mirror image of uh, the week before at Anfield. Um, City arguably could have gone in two goals up, obviously. Um, but it was always one of those, wasn't it? If if Pep put that team out and they won, it'd be a genius. If he didn't, then you know. Yeah, um, incredible from Liverpool as well. Um, say coming back second half, really taking the game to City. Um, completely different performance in the second half from the first half from them. Um, Liverpool showing signs that maybe I may mean, Liam. I know you're an Everton fan, but <laughs> could they go all the way in the Champions League? I mean, League? I don't want to say it, but I think they can. Um, the first half they were battered, weren't they? And they were, you know, they were as deep as the six-yard box for 45 minutes, and they did very well to go in at one 0 Probably should have been two 0 the Sane goal should have stood but they've obviously taken a bit of a boost from that and they've come out of the second half Guardiola's not on the touchline and they thought we can get them here one goal it's game over and you know, second half they're excellent defensively and going forward and you know they are arguably the team that everyone wants to avoid in the semi-finals even Real Madrid Yeah I mean obviously we're recording before the semi-final draw um, it would be a nice and um, kind of a nice storyline as well if Mo Salah was to go back to Roma um, and kind of do do his thing there and kind of make a point that 30 odd million pounds wasn't it I think the bargain absolute bargain yeah, yeah. just the steal of the season no doubt is it fair to say with Liverpool that they've got better since Philip Coutinho has left obviously everyone raved about this Liverpool fab four I think what we called them and then Coutinho goes and suddenly becomes this trio and they've just been phenomenal haven't they yeah they definitely have but I think they they have got they've improved and they've improved defensively, but that's because they bought Virgil Van Dijk in yeah. the same month that Coutinho left. I'm not sure that Coutinho still being there would hold them back. I think they'd probably still be in the same position or arguably better in the Premier League. Um, but what Van Dijk's done to that defence has been incredible in the what two or three months he's been there. Yeah, absolutely. I think Coutinho, obviously, he was he would have been playing in a in a deeper role as part of the midfield three, and I think him going has meant that James Milner's played a lot of these games, and obviously he's very disciplined in there a lot more than Coutinho is. And going back to the Etihad, he was excellent the other night, captain Liverpool, and obviously Oxley Chamberlain alongside him. Them two have really added some steel to the midfield, and I think even with Coutinho, he's got the creativity, but defensively he, he was lacking in that role. So I think Liverpool are a lot stronger now with those three in the middle. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, Oxley Chamberlain as well has come in into Liverpool this season, and I th- I've got to say, in the last few weeks, I think he's been absolutely yeah. phenomenal. He's been great. Yeah, I mean, he was on. He was one of the only players on the pitch the night who actually managed to sort of break through the city lines. I mean, quite a lot of the game was being played in front of them, but he's the only one who sort of got the ball and managed to drive through them in field and create a couple of chances. Yeah, so he saw what he did in the first leg as well. Obviously, getting through and his goal, great. Um, I know it's a World Cup year. Is he maybe now sticks his claim to being the English starting eleven? But bear in mind, at this point, twelve months ago, you're probably thinking, 
does he even get in the mm. squad? Does he now get in the England start? I think 11? he does. I think so because England haven't really got any central midfielders. By all accounts, Eric Dyer is going to play in the back three. So then you're looking at who have England got in a deeper holding midfield role. Jordan Henderson probably won. Who will he play alongside? I have no idea. There's probably Oxley Chamberlain and Jack Wilshire at the moment. And Oxley Chamberlain is ahead of his former teammate. No doubt about that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, back to Manchester City uh, briefly. Um, this season now, they're, they're going to win the league. That's still going to happen. They're um, going to throw mm. away now. Yeah. Well, I don't know. They've, they've lost three in a row. Collapse, it? Lost three in a row. Um, they can't win it at Spurs this weekend. Because they're going to lose? Or? Uh, <laughs> um, no, because uh, technicalities. Whatever. Maths, because of maths. Because of well. maths, because yeah. of maths, yeah. yeah. We'll, 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 because of yeah. Uh, proper mathematics. Um, but the League Cup and winning the league as, as they're going to, is it still a successful season for City? Or do you have to look at how, where City were in, say, November and go, actually, this is a massive disappointment that they've only taken them to? Uh, no, I think it's still an incredible success to win the league by the distance they're going to do it. I mean, they've had a blip this week, but that's literally been the only one this season, really, hasn't it? Uh, I, I don't think there's any, any shock to Man City fans that they haven't done better in the Champions League because it's not really a cup that they've embraced over the years. I mean, they reached they reached semi-final a couple of years ago, wasn't it? Yeah, they did, but this was the season, surely, that City were supposed to embrace the, the Champions League under Guardiola's second season where they're playing great football. Surely this should have been the one where City should have... Yeah, I mean, he's spent enough money, hasn't he, to, uh, to get further than the quarter-finals, you'd think. I mean, they've got everything there they need it, it would appear but I, th- I think it was unlucky for him to bump into Klopp to be honest I think he seems to be a manager who has his number and he has done for a number of years I mean on paper you'd backseat to go through but and I honestly think they would have gone through against if they played any other team I think I think we'd be seeing him in the last four but um, I think it was very unlucky for him to come up against uh, Liverpool Yeah um, obviously Guardiola very unhappy with a few refereeing decisions as well obviously as we, we touched on earlier that, the, that Him the getting led away by Fernandinho at half time was absolutely fantastic yeah. I mean it's usually the way around isn't it? Yeah <laughs> I, I, I find it mad that say Pep seemed to go onto the pitch to drag his players yeah. away yeah. that's what it looked like he was doing he was, involved, yeah. I, I think he grabbed uh, Kevin De Bruyne pulled him away yeah. and then yeah. initially pulled Fernandinho away and then just went yeah, bananas at the referee, yeah. and just yeah. uh, obviously it seems like there's a bit of history between the yeah. two, and it's it's come out. Yeah, he said he knew him from Spain afterwards. Yeah, yeah, but um, just um, I mean, is he is he right to be that annoyed with Not, the referee? I mean, given the decision? if you're the boss, you know you've got to have a bit of restraint, haven't you? Yeah. Especially if it's only half time. I think he knows he's aware of the importance of the game, and he knows, as Connor touched on, that Klopp's got under his skin a bit. You know, he's got his number and. He knows that the game's slipping away a bit because that second goal goes in, then City are one goal away, and now there's still two, and then he knows that Liverpool are going to come out stronger. Him not being on the touchline as well, I think that had a big impact. I know a lot of people thought, well, City know what they've got to do, they've still got to score two goals, but he he drags them forward in those kind of games, you know, and he wasn't there, and I think that did have an impact on the end result. I'd like to know whose seat he took in the director's box. Yeah, was some lady, wasn't there, who was walking yeah. down? <laughs> yeah, I think she yeah, had to sit so. on someone's lap, I think. Yeah. Yeah, so he looked absolutely distraught. I said there's a great picture of him in the press box, and then with his head in his hands yeah, and yeah. Um, just seemingly powerless. Yeah. I thought at one point, obviously, he had a coach keeping coming down the stairs, yeah. didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought he was going to bring him just a brew at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bob yeah. No, oh, no one. Um, so yeah, the Champions League semi-final lineup is confirmed. As we say, it is Liverpool, Real Madrid, Roma, and Bayern Munich. Uh, to look back on the uh, on the Spanish team's impact of the Champions League this week, uh, I spoke to Rick Sharma a little early today, 
uh, so talking Real Madrid, Barcelona and uh, a little more. Here's what he had to say. Rick Sharma, really appreciate you joining us once again on the Mirror Football Podcast. Um, obviously, we have to start with Real Madrid, just the most bonkers night of the Bernabeu. Um, first of all, I mean, how do you sum up a night like that? I think that is the perfect example of, of, of what makes the Champions League so, so good, especially in the knockout phases. I mean, you can't really ask for a better game than that, for a team to come back from three goals down, like an unbelievable comeback, and then just absolute drama in, in, in stoppage time. And, I mean, there's obviously been a lot made of the penalty, but and, and I don't know if, if Real Madrid really deserved to go through, or at least without having to play extra time. But nobody can argue with the way Ronaldo took that penalty. That is it's one of the best chances I've ever seen in an extremely high-pressure situation. And what a way to finish the game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a balls of steel from Ronaldo. To be able to put it top bin, as he did, in those circumstances, I thought was just absolutely um, tremendous. Um, you mentioned the penalty as well. Um, Gigi Buffon's gone on one hell of a rant after the game. Um, it kind of felt like people just needed to pull him away from the microphones. Um, it's a bit of a sad end to his Champions League career, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, the actual game he had was phenomenal. He made some amazing saves. Um, and without Buffon, I think Madrid would have scored two goals in the first half, a couple of goals in the second half, and Juve would have had no chance. So he had a phenomenal game. And then and then when he was sent off, you just you just think... He should know better. He's 40 years old. You know he can't grab the referee and scream in his face. And I think he was probably a bit surprised that, that Oliver sent him off um, because most referees wouldn't have the balls to do that. And before I went out after the game, he said the referee's got no personality, he's got no heart. But I think it shows a lot of heart to give a 90, 90th minute penalty in stoppage time, which is, a, it was an incident which I think it was a penalty and an incident which a lot of referees could, you know, they could, play on because from where they're standing they, they may, may not be sure that it's a penalty and they think well it's the 90th minute we're heading for extra time if I give this penalty then all the spotlight's going to be on me and not in a good way and then sending off Buffon as well you don't, if there was any other Juve player it, you know, it wouldn't have been a brave decision to send them off it would have been like well you've grabbed me and I'll send you off but when it's Buffon the sort of player that everybody everybody loves almost everybody loves who plays for Juve and, and it, like you say it could be his last Champions League game if he doesn't sign a new contract then that is a brave decision to send Buffon off. Yeah, no, I say I completely agree with you. As somebody who's done a bit of refereeing myself, um, uh, kind of in, in previous years, I know how hard it is to give a last minute penalty in, say, a, a major game. And it is really, really tough. I think, I think the thing I liked about Michael Olive was just kind of his steely glare after he, after he gave the red card, um, which I thought was, uh, which I mean, just, I mean, surely took a hell of a lot of character. Um, the penalty decision itself. A bit of a weird one because he does win the ball. He does get a nick on the ball, but um, I don't know if you agree with me, Rick. Um, he does go through the man. It probably is just about a penalty. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's a penalty for me. I mean, Benatia comes he comes in from behind. He puts his hands on his back, which is already. I mean, it's very soft, but it's already a foul. And and then he he with his foot he, he hits the man, and then he hits the ball. I mean, there's no doubt he does at some point get the ball, but it's just far far too late in the tackle and. I mean, if it wasn't given, I don't think we'd be talking about it now still. We'd be talking about some other incident that happened in, in the game. But it was a foul, and, it, and you can't complain. If you commit a foul with, with a player six yards out ready to score, then, then a penalty is given. You can't complain. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, Juventus obviously came back from 3-0 down, three away goals down uh, to tie the game at 3-0. Uh, from Real Madrid's perspective, it just seemed a completely flat performance up until that penalty. Um, or I say up until the penalty, up until Juventus went 3-0 up. Um, was it kind of shades of the Real Madrid from the start of the season that we've seen there? Maybe a little air of complacency about them? Yeah, for sure. I mean, one thing I'd like to say is that we're going to talk about Barca in a bit, but I don't think it was the same sort of performance that Barca put in against Roma in that Madrid had chances. If it wasn't Buffon in goal, they might have scored a goal in the first level too. And they hit the bar and they and they I think that I think they made some chances. It wasn't a good performance. I'd like to say it was they were complacent. I think I almost think that if they had a smaller away win, if they'd won one nil in Turin, they'd have been much more switched on at the start of the game last night. And they I mean, without Sergio Ramos in defence, he was suspended. Vallejo and, and Varane had quite poor poor games and they looked pretty shaky at the back. I mean, they've been shaky at the back all season, even with Ramos, but especially without him, they were, they were very weak. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you mentioned Barcelona at the start of that. Um, I want to talk briefly about them as well. Um, just what has the fallout been uh, been like in Spain um, from Barcelona's result, obviously going out to Roma. Roma not having the best of seasons themselves in, uh, in Syria, uh, but able to overturn a three-goal deficit and, and go through, which was uh, quite controversial. Yeah, there's, it's been... People have been shocked by the defeat, although it's actually the third season running they've gone out in the quarterfinals, so maybe there is something to do with the planning and preparation that kind of leaves Barcelona a bit weak at this point in the season. They do put a lot of effort into winning the Copa del Rey. They've got so many finals recently and they've won the last three. Um, and so maybe they're maybe they're expending too much energy on that and, and then by the time the Champions League comes around in April they're they're a bit tired. But Barcelona they just it's more further in Catalonia than, than anger. I mean, there's nothing to be angry about, really. They deserve to go out. No one can really doubt that um, because of how good Roma were. People, the, the Barcelona fans are just just, just distraught, really. That they're, they're not in the, in the Champions League anymore. And it makes, even if they win the double now, it's, it, it's not going to feel like a great season for them. Yeah, I was going to say that. I mean, does winning... Oh, so winning the league and obviously if they win the, the, the Copa del Rey, does that just now make the season a bit of a failure? Simply because obviously they've been off the pace in the Champions League for so long. They've seen Real Madrid have this great European success. Um, surely the Champions League is the one that they, they really, really want now. Yeah, for sure. The Champions League is, is the one that they want. It's the one that Madrid want to keep, the one that Barca are desperate to get. And I, mean, I don't think it makes it a failure on paper. You can't say that because you know taking the league back from Real Madrid is a good statement. Winning the cup again is just continuing the dominance in it, and that I mean, winning the double is a good, a good outcome for a season. And maybe even at the start of the season, if you said Barcelona are going to win the double, they might have signed up for it. But when the, when you consider the way they went out, the form they were in, in terms of they were, they were unbeaten in the Champions League, they were unbeaten in La Liga, they still are. But when you consider the way they went out to Roma, then then it is it will be a disappointment. It's a stain on the season, that I think. Absolutely. Uh, Rick, really, really appreciate you joining us once again on the Mirror Football Podcast. Uh, appreciate your time. Cheers, mate. Cheers. Rick Sharma there joining us on the Mirror Football Podcast. Cheers, Rick. Nice one, mate. Um, very good to hear from him as ever. Um, one game I say we, we haven't spoken about yet was the... How are you doing there? It is David from the David McWilliams Podcast and this is a Staycast from Acast. 
We're all following the government's advice right now. We're staying in. It's a little bit cocooning, but it's all working. So while you're staying at home, here's a recommendation of another great podcast. It's the Blind Boy podcast. He's an old mate. He's a great skin. He has extraordinarily interesting views of the world. Check it out. Bayern Munich, Sevilla game. Um, anyone really care? No, I don't think anyone even watched it, did they? <laughs> I, I, honestly, well, I think a lot of people would have uh, thought they'd watch that because that was a close game, wouldn't it? A lot of people thought the Real Madrid game was done, but I think, you know, as soon as Juve scored after two minutes, I think most people put that game on. Yeah, absolutely. non event, wasn't it? I think Bayern were too strong for them away from home and then just finished the job in Munich. It was never in doubt, really. Yeah, professional job. Uh, it, Bayern Munich possible winners of the Champions League because I, I said on this podcast last week um, that the thing that's gone under the radar nobody has noticed how well they've already already won their league uh, already lifted the trophy as well um, and yeah they just look very very good but nobody's raving about them like it's Jupp uh, Heinz again isn't it I mean yeah. it's, it's uh, the start of the season with Ancelotti it wasn't going well he's come back and uh, won in the league got into the last four of the Champions League um, i Personally, don't think they're going to do it again. I think they'll, they, I think they'll come unstuck in the semis unless they get Roma. Uh, I think that's the best chance of getting through to the final. But I think even Liverpool, I think, um, I think Liverpool have a bit too much for them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we're going to move on now to the Premier League. Um, we're going to start with Arsenal simply because we haven't actually really spoken about Arsenal very much on this podcast for a couple of weeks. Uh, mainly because they play on Thursday nights and we record on a Thursday. Uh, we are recording now just before Arsenal play CSK Moscow in their second leg of the Europa League game, but we assume Arsenal are going to get through that with no problem at all. Yeah. With uh, my, Mind you, actually, to be fair, the way champ- European yeah. football has gone uh, in the past week, these these kind of turnarounds... 4-0 defeat. Four nil defeat yeah. 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 Um, yeah, it could, it could turn around. But no, no, let's, let's assume Arsenal are going through. Apologies, Arsenal fans, if you listen to this and you have gone out. Because um, that would be embarrassing. Um, <laughs> um, but Arsenal, they, they seem like they've turned a bit of a corner in in recent weeks. I don't know if you, you guys agree. They seem to have finally found a little bit more momentum, winning games again, and things seem to have just settled down for them. I think the Premier League, it's sort of there's no pressure on them, is there? They're not. They're going to finish where they are. They're not going to get into the top four, and now all the focus is on the Europa League. And yeah, they have got a bit of a run together, but it's a bit too late, isn't it? Because the top four is already gone. Um, the team, the games that they've been winning have been comfortable games at home against teams that they should be beating as well. They've not really played anyone decent in recent weeks, so you know it's not, it's not, it's not no, no, new, no, nothing new. No, absolutely. Um, the Arsene Wenger has said quite recently that Arsenal don't need to sign any new strikers in the summer. Um, is, is he right with that? And I also suggest he's probably planning on staying around as well. I'm if, sure he, he is, if he's yeah. saying that. Um, come on, you're a Tottenham fan, surely you're delighted at the news that he, he might be staying? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, it's funny, obviously, but I mean, they've won three cups in the last, you know, four years. Uh, I think it might be a bit premature for uh, for us to say we're happy about it. Um, obviously, Arsenal fans absolutely aren't, but um, I wouldn't be surprised if they have gone to win the Europa League this season. What would have been typical is if the rule hadn't changed, whereby. English teams are allowed five teams in the competition. Tottenham finished fourth, and Arsenal won the Europa League. That wouldn't have surprised me. Um, yeah. But um, I, I think I think they've got a great chance unless they get Atletico in the semi-final. I don't think they've got enough to get past Atletico over two legs. I think they'll have too much for them. But um, I mean, if the finals one-off game, anything can happen. Yeah. Providing they get past Moscow. 
yeah, I'm, I mean, as 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 we say, it'll be a be a tough game out there. Absolutely. Uh, but no, we fully expect Arsenal to go through. Um, Mention Spurs. Um, Harry Kane. He's been given that goal. He begged for that goal. Well, his, his he, goal was it? He, he did absolutely everything that he could to get that goal. He didn't. He just tweeted about it. Um, Swore his daughter's wait, lie. Yeah, I mean, he, I mean, it's all he's he, been asked about for the past weeks. I don't really know what people expect him to say. He, if he's if he scored it and he knows he scored it, then what's he good? Is he going to say no? It wasn't mine or? Well, I mean, he's a striker. He's going to claim anything. And well, yeah. uh, for, for me, I don't know watching. I don't know when it was. It, do, it doesn't touch him. It doesn't. Well, it does. Uh, it didn't look like touched his shoulder. It, it doesn't. Like even the, the the shape of the ball doesn't change even so, slightly. What, it just he's paid the dubious goals panel or what? I don't know it's like just, uh, the FA just like mean bowing t- down to their the t- England's I, golden boy or? I think it takes quite it's not the FA it's Premier League I think it takes quite a lot to overturn a Premier League goal yeah. doesn't it I don't think they'd have done it unless they you know they'd have proof I think uh, the dubious goals panel have looked at it quite a lot closer than everyone else yeah. To uh, to award the goal. Yeah, I was say is, is this because Harry Kane has almost this like unblemished record, and they've just kind of gone because even the Premier League even said in the record, oh, we've taken into account the Premier League's testimony. Uh, sorry, the the players' testimony. Um, Kane is uh, almost literally got a, pretty much a faultless record with discipline or anything. Mm. Say it was Mario Balotelli playing in the Premier League, and he went, oh yeah, no, it definitely hit me. Surely they'd just rip it up and throw it in the bin. I don't think so. I think they'd have to go through the same process. If um, obviously it wasn't conclusive that he didn't touch it, I think that's why they gave it a chance and looked at it a bit closer. Yeah, surely to overturn the decision, though, surely they would have to have definitive proof that it did well, touch him. Sure I'm sure goal, they do. Yeah, uh, I'm sure they do. The Larkin cricket, you know, they yeah. obviously there is there must be a touch there. Let's be let's be fair. I think uh, Kane obviously wouldn't be swearing on his daughter's life if he uh, if he hadn't have touched it. I think a lot's been made of that. I think that's just sort of one of those throwaway yeah. comments, isn't it? Like they yeah. just say it casually on the chat. Like, I swear yeah. on someone's life. Yeah, but, he, um, he said it in the mix zone after the game as well. Yeah. So obviously he will have been doing this interview over and over and over, yeah, yeah, surely with different yeah. people. I'm sure that's um, all he's been asked about as well for the past week. So. Yeah, I think it shows a lot about his mentality as well because a lot of you know someone like Ronaldo, if he scored a goal, he wants that goal. He's not going to let anyone else have it. Obviously, Kane's won the Golden Boot his last two years now. Yeah. yeah. He obviously wants the third. He's got a way to go to catch Salah, but he won't want to give up that crown to someone. And if he's got any opportunity to catch Salah, then he's, he's going to take it. He's going to do everything he can to, to get it. Yeah, so going into this weekend, uh, Kane is four goals behind Salah. Um, do we expect him to catch him? Is I mean, I mean, we saw what Harry Kane did at the back end of last season where I think he scored something like seven in a week or something yeah. ridiculous yeah, like that, didn't he? Yeah. Um, is he capable of doing something like that again and, and taking it? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, obviously it depends. It'll be obviously hard if Salah keeps scoring as he is, but if Salah has a has a bit of a dip, you know, if they focus a bit more on the Champions League, uh, I mean, City aside, Tottenham's last remaining fixtures are very kind. Uh, we've got the likes of Brighton, we've got Leicester at home, um, got West Brom. Uh, these are games that you could feasibly see him scoring hat tricks in. So I, I don't think it's over by any stretch. Yeah, absolutely. So Spurs this weekend play Manchester City, who obviously we've spoken about in reasonable detail already. Um, Spurs not really playing for much. City as well, I mean, pretty much just playing for pride now. With the, yes, they're going to go on to win the title, but um, is this a game that on paper looks good, but maybe will flatter to deceive? Uh, I think it'll be a great game of football, to be honest. And there's usually goals between these two teams. Uh, I yeah. mean, aside from the game earlier in the season, City won comfortably in the end. Uh, Pochettino's done alright against Guardiola uh, both in Spain and England um, and they've always been entertaining games uh, I wouldn't expect anything less I think Spurs are still eyeing up sort of third and second spot obviously level on points for Liverpool in third with a game in hand 
um, I think they're going to want to finish as high as high as they possibly can. Yeah. Uh, what defines a successful season then for Spurs now from 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 this point? Is it just confirming top four, or do, do, do you need the FA Cup as well to say uh, it's, it's actually been a success? I don't think we need the FA Cup to be honest. I think uh, obviously winning a cup would be absolutely fantastic for Spurs and the fans, but I think deep down the players and the manager know that getting top four this season was a main aim with the season at Wembley as well obviously they've, they've been playing great there recently the last few months but there's no way to say it isn't a disadvantage because it's not their home ground um, I think Spurs fans, would, Spurs fans would have bitten your hand off for top four at Wembley at the start of the season but um, I, I suppose you could say similar with uh, Liverpool and Klopp that a trophy is the you know the, the, the missing piece uh, and it would be absolutely fantastic for Spurs yeah, absolutely. Uh, that game, Spurs vs City, takes place seven forty-five on Saturday night. Uh, Got to get used to seven forty-five yeah, PM kickoffs so. on Saturdays. Yeah, strange one. No yeah, <laughs> well, no, 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 plus, <laughs> yeah, no, no, no pop idol. No. Uh, for us guys, we'll be watching the football. On to Sunday's fixtures, and we have Manchester United against West Brom. I mean, this is one hell of a bit of a mismatch, isn't it? At this point of the season, West Brom doomed, not playing very well. United picked up again, riding of the crest of a wave because after the the City win, um, should be no problem there. Um, but there is a United story that has been in the news this week, and that is Marcus Rashford. Um, it appears that he's growing increasingly frustrated, and understandably so. Um, he, the last time he played 90 minutes in the Premier League was on Boxing Day, so we're going back nearly, I mean, three and a half months now. Um, if you were Marcus Rashford, would you seriously be considering? getting out of there now at this point uh, I don't know I mean he's still young what is he 20 years old 20, 19, 20. Yeah. Uh, it's, his, you know, it's his hometown club I don't think he's going to be in a rush to get out of there uh, I think there's already a bit of a bit of spin put out I mean he had that interview yesterday about uh, he's made the most appearances out of any player under Jose Mourinho uh, they didn't say that most of them are off the bench um, but I, I don't think he's going to be in any rush to go to be honest I mean it would be frustrating obviously you want to be playing games uh, a loan move I wouldn't be too surprised but I can't see him going permanently Yeah, but Would a loan move work at this point of his career? Bear in mind he, he's, he's an established first team at United now is it? would a loan to maybe another Premier League team uh, benefit him? It'll work for him but long term his if he goes out on loan, I don't think he'll make it at United. I think that's pretty. I think he's because he's got into the first team now to go out and to try and get back in I don't think it'll work I think going forward to next season, if he can establish himself as a as a centre forward, because Lukaku can't play every game, he needs so Rashford needs to be able to play there either side, and he needs a run in the team. I know Sanchez came in, and he's sort of taken his place and playing every week now, isn't he? Or Lingard's in excellent form, or, or Mata, and it's sort of like where's Rashford going to play? He needs to establish establish himself in one position, and that's the only way he's going to make it. I think because he's a bit too versatile. Yeah, I mean, he's almost, it feels like competing with Anthony Martial to be second choice, yeah. like to be second and third choice, which is just obviously not a, a great position to be in. I think I think one of them may end up leaving. I think probably likely uh, Martial rather than Rashford, I think somewhere in Europe for him. But I think one of them will end up going because I think Mourinho will try and improve. Yeah, I, think, yeah, I, think, I mean, I think in a couple of years that'll be something they, they definitely regret. You've got Martial in his early 20s being pushed out by Sanchez, who was 30 this year. I mean, it's Mourinho, isn't it? It's very, very short-termist, uh, yeah. but that's obviously how Man United are thinking. Yeah, is this Martial is. Would it be fair to say he's been a bit of a disappointment at United, simply because he's, you know, how talented he is. You see him do these incredible things, but he's just 
so I d- desperately I inconsistent. I think, I think for a young player, it's really hard to to, to get any sort of form up when you're uh, in and out of the team. But I think I think he has done well. To be honest, I think he's looked good. He scored a few goals this season. I think he's got nine or ten assists in the Premier League. Um, I, I don't think there's much more he could have done to convince Mourinho. I mean, obviously we don't see what goes on the training ground. Um, but I think he's he's definitely underrunning the team and he hasn't really got that. His best run was probably under Van Gaal, wasn't it? In his first season when he had a run playing as a central striker. Now he's sort of, obviously Mourinho's brought in Lukaku and he's sort of been shunned to the left. And I don't think he is a winger. I think he is a centre forward. And elsewhere he might get to play in that position. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Manchester United against West Brom is the 4pm kickoff on Sunday. Uh, just quickly back to Saturday, a quick run through them, the fixtures in the Premier League. Uh, Southampton against Chelsea is the early kickoff, followed by Burnley versus Leicester, Crystal Palace versus Brighton, Huddersfield versus Watford, and Swansea versus Everton at 3 pm. Uh, want to touch on Everton. Again, just Prenders, you're, a, um, you're an Everton fan. Uh, you've suffered this season on what, in theory, should have been. A great season. Ronald Koeman was supposed to come in, play great football, make decent signings, spend a load of money, and I mean, you're probably going to finish top half. But yeah. it's been uh, it's been disappointing for you, hasn't it? It's been disappointing, and it at the start of the season, it, you know, I was really looking forward to it, and now I can't wait for it to finish. Um, last few months have been really, really bad. Since they got to the forty point mark, now we know they're not going to go down. They are probably going to finish ninth, tenth. It's a dismal season, and now it's sort of petering out completely. The game against Liverpool. Last weekend, you know, they it was a nothing game for them. They didn't really fancy it. You know, rested a lot of players. They tired towards the end, and Everton had so many chances to to win that game and then end that dismal record that they've got against Liverpool, and they still didn't manage to do it. So, uh, yeah, bring on, bring on in the middle of May. Is it actually fair to say though, that there are maybe positive things to come for Everton because obviously Allardyce isn't gonna isn't gonna stay or or. Fingers crossed for you guys. He's he, he's he's not he's not going to be there. The likes of um, uh, the, Sh- the Shakhtar manager, um, exactly. yeah, um, has been linked. Marco Silva, maybe you know, who play better football. Um, and you've got an owner who's probably willing to spend money again. Um, is it maybe enough optimism to look forward to for next season? There is, but they had a lot of money to spend. In the summer just gone and they wasted a lot of that money. You know, the likes of David Classen, twenty eight million who can't even get on the bench at the minute. I mean, I don't know what he's doing in training, can't be doing too much. Uh Sandro Ramirez, these players who you you're hoping they're gonna make an impact in the Premier League and they just haven't. The players that they signed who are proven Premier League players, Michael Keane, Gilfie Sigurdsson, spent a lot of money on them and they've not really lived up to it either. So, you know, if they're gonna have hundred million to spend again in the summer, they've got to spend it wisely. There's talk that Steve Walsh, the director of football, could be on his way out as well. Um, and someone else coming in, uh, Marcel Brands from PSV, is one of the names been linked. So it'll be interesting because if you change the manager, you change the director of football, then there is reason for optimism. But if it's going to be a similar strategy to last summer and throwing millions and millions of players who aren't worth that amount, then you know there's going to be more problems. Yeah, absolutely. Um this season it's just a write off now There's, or are you just hoping to finish above Burnley is it actually quite embarrassing for you guys if Burnley finish above you I Burnley what, might finish above Arsenal yeah. Burnley, I think yeah. Burnley have had an excellent season um, and to be honest with you I don't would really want to finish 7th you know you could be starting the season at the start of July playing Europa League games and I think that proved detrimental yeah what's going to happen season? with that with the World Cup 
He probably I've... playing the same day as the World Cup final against some farmers <laughs> yeah. from Latvia, I think. They're <laughs> literally going to have to put out the under 17s yeah. or Which, whoever's still like, about. I know they signed a lot of players and they didn't have time to bed them in because they're straight into games and there's a very there's a couple of weeks of pre-season. So yeah, I mean, if they finish ninth, fine, move on, forget about it. If we finish seventh, I'd rather finish ninth than seventh for this stage. All right. Yeah. All right. Let's, uh... no, no interest. What about eighth? <laughs> That'd be for eighth, fine. Yeah, so eighth. So eighth place for Everton. So we'll, we'll, we'll go with um, other fixtures uh, this weekend. Liverpool take on Bournemouth at Anfield. That's uh, five thirty p.m. kickoff on Saturday. Uh, Newcastle against Arsenal. Uh, that's the Sunday early game and Monday night football thriller on the cards. Uh, West Ham versus Stoke. Um, I say a thriller. I mean, they cut Michael Oliver's the man in the middle, so it could well be anything could happen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Watch Con- out, Controversial penalties, pitch invasions. Red card for Joe Hart. Actually, I suppose that it has all the ingredients for carnage. I potentially. mean, it's just relegation battle, isn't it? Still, West Ham still aren't safe. They did really well, got a point on the on Sunday at Chelsea, uh, and did well to earn it. Um, but you know. They, they, they need another win, don't they? Yeah, they need they, another win or I two. I think West Ham win, they're safe, and Stoke don't win. I think they're, I think they're down. They're gone, yeah. yeah they so, have to win uh, on Monday. Who, uh, who do we think is going to go down then? Uh, West Brom, obviously, are going to go uh, just quickly. Who do you guys Stoke think the other two? And Huddersfield for me. I think I think Swansea will get out. I think Southampton might just get a couple of wins. Huddersfield just aren't winning matches at the moment. and They've got a very difficult run in at the end. Yeah, so Stoke and Huddersfield for Liam Connor. Yeah, uh, obviously the Baggies, um, and I, th- I think Roy's got uh, Roy's got enough at Palace to keep them up, keep them afloat. I know they're still hovering around the zone, but um, I think they've got enough to put a, put a little run together between now and the end of the season. Uh, I, I think it's going to be Southampton, to be honest. I think they're, they're going to go down with uh, with Stoke. Yeah, be a, be a, be a bit of a shame for Southampton because they've bought say some great talent then that Premier League clubs could yeah, can pick up because yeah. they've got some seriously talented yeah. players. I mean, they've had to sort of. Keep keep changing the squad, haven't they? Sole players and trying to trying to bring in a new team, but eventually it's going to catch up on you. And they've almost sold too many players, lost too many managers, and now it looks like their their tenure in the Premier League might be coming to an end. Yeah, absolutely. Right, thank you very much, guys. Really, really appreciate it as always. Um, that'll do us this week on the Mirror Football Podcast. Um, if you don't subscribe already, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, on Audio Boom, and on Spotify and uh, you can give us a nice five star rating on there if you so wish which we'd very very much appreciate Uh, so until next week um, we will see you then This is Acast Recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favourite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big, short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts.